I just kind of decided that whatever my knee-jerk reaction was, I was going to do the opposite. So like lots of contrary action. This is the Alchemized Life podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. The day has come, you guys. It is the 100th episode of The Alchemized Life. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and let's just do a little celebration. 100 episodes. Holy shit. That's a lot of episodes, like 100 of them. And I'm just so grateful reflecting on the past year and a half of having the podcast, almost two years now, and so excited for everything that's to come to, you know, I'm kind of the type of person that doesn't enjoy doing things consistently. That's why I've never enjoyed working for other people or having ongoing projects. I like doing things in shorter chunks. And so that was one of my things when I first started the podcast of, am I going to like consistently doing this? And a year and a half later, I can say wholeheartedly yes, because I get to talk to such rad individuals and connect with so many of you basically every single day. And I just feel really grateful because my community of super dope girlfriends has grown so much over the past year and a half. And it's funny because I was talking to one of my girlfriends about this, but I realized that one of the reasons why I love the work that I do is that sharing this knowledge really inspires everyone around me to start to learn more about these things that I'm really interested in if they're not already interested in in it already. And then I just get even more high vibe girlfriends and even more people to talk about these wacky and fun and you know, super deep topics that I never really got to talk about with people before I started the podcast or before I started really diving into yoga and spirituality and all these things. So yay, I'm so excited. And also I hope that that's just like a call to action for you guys to know that like the more that you share about the things that you're really excited by, the more that you just share kind of like without expectation too the more you impact the people around you and the more that they start perking up and being like, hey, she's really excited. What is she so excited about? Maybe I should be excited about this too. Maybe I should try this too. And then they try it and then they love it. And you have all of these like cool people around you. I don't know. It's like basically making my own version of Powderpuff Girls. You guys are my sugar, my spice and everything nice and sassy too. (laughs) All right. So that's a little bit of a random rampage. Um, But I'm really, really grateful you guys to be recording for this 100th episode. And I'll be honest. So it's Sunday and we are moving tomorrow, which is Monday. I think this episode comes out on Thursday. And it's been a little sad um, moving everything out. I was excited to move, but I also love our house so much, the inside of our house, at least. I'm not crazy about the location. And so I've been grieving a little bit the end of a chapter. But 
as I've shared here before, and as I've shared on my Instagram stories, any transitions, any times of change, any hurdles that we go through, whether they are good and happy stress or bad and anxiety stress, it's all opportunities for growth. And when we can take that perspective, I really, really think it puts us in this role of the optimist versus thinking that the world is against us or we have to carry the weight of the world on the sho- on our shoulders or kind of like a victim mentality. And so if you're going through any change right now, any transitions, even if it's difficult, remember it's an opportunity for growth and nothing's going to hold you back. Nothing's going to hold you down. Nothing's going to knock you down. It's that saying like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I really, really believe that. And it's given me great solace over the past few weeks and months of all of this crazy time to just know that I'm growing so much and I'm getting wiser, I'm getting stronger, and I'm going to come out on the other side, having learned so many lessons along the way, having connected to the people in my life so much more and having a lot more to share with you guys too. So with that being said, I can't wait for you all to listen to this episode. Ariel Lori is such a light goddess. Oh my gosh. I just went over to her house last week actually to record for her podcast. And she's just so sweet, so kind. And when we recorded this back in December, it was so great to just get to know her even further. You know, she has a huge following on Instagram and her posts are always so beautiful and so inspiring and her cookies always look so good, all of her recipes. Um, but to get to know her through the podcast and her podcast, The Blonde Files podcast has been such a gift because she is just so kind and so sweet and offers so much from her story. And we actually have very, very similar stories like down to how we used to spend our weekends when we both partied a lot. We definitely would have been good friends, bad bad influences on each other um, had we known each other. But in today's episode, we talk all about mindful coping mechanisms in the times when you are feeling pain or feeling grief and how to turn towards coping mechanisms that are healthier alternatives versus grabbing for drugs or alcohol. So I think it's a really great episode for anyone that potentially wants to give up alcohol, give up drugs, or just be a little bit more mindful about how they're consuming. We talk about social media as well and social media consumption, which I think is very interesting. And really just focus on how mindfulness can amplify and enhance your life in so many ways. She meditates, so we nerd out on meditation. Um, As I do with anyone that I find out meditates as well. I'm like, ooh, ooh, let's talk about it. So you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I hope you do. And it is again, the hundredth episode. So if you've been listening for a while and have yet to leave a review, it would mean the world to me. Like truly, truly, truly mean the world to me. I read every review in the times when I need to pump myself up or when I'm feeling a little bit down. I like reading the reviews um, because it's like just a little love book of love notes for me. Um, And it means the world and it helps to get the podcast out to even more people and to support the podcast growth so I can get really amazing, incredible guests on here. I have my my dream list for 2020 and I want to be able to hit it hard and give you guys some really incredible thought leaders and teachers and healers and coaches and writers. Um, so yeah, if you haven't left a review yet, it would mean the world to me for you to leave a review. And with that being said, Let's jump into today's episode. And if it resonates with you, share it up on your Instagram stories. My podcast, Instagram is at The Alchemized Life. My personal is at Ava Johanna and Ariel's is at Ariel Laurie and Laurie is L-O-R-R-E. All right, you guys, enjoy. Enjoy. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I'm so grateful to be in conversation today with Ariel Laurie. We are going to be diving into so many different topics from getting sober to entrepreneurship to relationships and managing stress. So Ariel, I literally could not think of a better person to have on the podcast to talk about all these topics. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So I'm curious and I want to hear your whole story and your whole journey going all the way back to the beginning. Um, But I first wanted to ask you, where did the name The Blonde Files come from? The Blonde Files came to fruition because I started my Instagram account coming up on four years ago now. And at the time I was like kind of newly sober, like I'd been sober for a couple of years and I felt like I didn't recognize my body anymore. Like I felt like I had lost control of it and we'll get into that I'm sure later. But I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. I had kind of gained some weight and I've always been petite, but I just felt uncomfortable. So I started doing BBG, which is a pretty hardcore fitness routine. Um, They have an app. And at that time they had like just PDF guides. And when you started doing it, you were encouraged to start an Instagram too for accountability. So I was like posting my before pictures, you know, really uncomfortable, like mirror selfies and bikinis. And I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I didn't want anybody who I knew to find me. So I just wanted to kind of come up with like a pseudonym. And so I thought, Oh, the blonde files. I don't know where exactly like it came from, but my intention was to be anonymous and have this account so that I could connect with other women who were doing the program and so that I could like track my accountability. I love that. And I think, do you have a branding background? Or I you don't. Are creative? I, don't. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of creative. I don't have a branding background, but from the beginning, like at that time, I had another job. And so this wasn't ever intended to be a business or become my sole vocation. But I did kind of... I took to it really quickly because I was like, okay, I love writing. I love taking photos and editing and doing all of that and making a feed look cohesive. And it just kind of encompassed a lot of things that I enjoyed. So, you know, on the one hand, I didn't intend to to be an influencer, whatever you want to call it. But I also was kind of strategic. And I think I had an eye for like an appealing social media presence, I guess. Now I have people do my branding. So they make everything look really good. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. So what was the difference between like... Because I feel like when you are in the like troughs of addiction and recovery to then go from that like lonely state to then being supported by like other women and have community. Because for me, at least I know that in the times that I was drinking or doing drugs, even though I was surrounded by people, it was like some of my loneliest time. It was the times when I felt like I, like nobody got me. No one was in the same position that I was in. And it wasn't until I found yoga and my community online that I was like, wow, you know, there are people like me and I do have community. So what was that experience like for you? You know, I, a big part of my drinking and using was because I felt separate from everybody else. And because I felt, I think, less than. And even though on the outside, it looked like I fit in and I was popular and I had friends, I can totally identify with what you're talking about because I would find myself in these situations where I'm surrounded by people. And I was with people all the time because it was very hard for me to be alone and kind of like look at my life, you know? So it was like a distraction. 
And so I was always surrounded by people, but I, I always felt alone. That said, like I drank and I used because it was kind of a, initially because it was a social lubricant. And so it helped me to connect with people without fear, but eventually it just became so destructive. So when I first got sober and I went to rehab many times <laughs> throughout my twenties and every time I went, and all of a sudden the drugs and alcohol were stripped away and I was with other people and I could be my authentic self and they liked me for that and we were all supporting one another. I felt like I was home. And it sounds so cheesy, but I feel like like you can feel at home anywhere as long as you're being your complete authentic self with no facade and you're connecting with people. So I got a taste of that in treatment. And then, you know, when I got when I got sober for good, I was encouraged to find a community and and I'm part of a recovery community that's been like hugely supportive. And then to have that extra layer of total strangers online supporting me, um, it was really amazing. Do you feel like in your recovery journey, you had to do work to figure out like who you were and like who your authentic self was? Because I feel like at the beginning of my journey, um, I didn't know who I was. I had like masked who I was for so long and had put on all of these different facades to try and fit in in like these different party arenas. That by the time I started like actually letting go of the drugs and alcohol, I didn't like really know like who Ava was. Totally. 1000%. I mean, I started drinking and doing drugs when I was in my late teens. So I was maybe like 16, 17, kind of really picked up around 18. And I got sober at 28. And I had no clue who I was because I had been completely numbed out for a lot of my formative years. And I kind of went from like high school tried to do a little bit of college, but drinking and drugs were such a big priority that I just couldn't stick with anything. I couldn't hold a job. I was going from one group of friends to another, floating around, living in different places in the country. I mean, I was so aimless and my sole focus was drugs and alcohol. It was like a primal thing almost. So yeah, when I got sober, I was like, I didn't know who I was. I felt like a 17-year-old again. You know, they say that you kind of you stunt yourself where you started drinking and using if you're doing it really excessively. So I feel like over the past almost six years, you know, I'm still kind of peeling back the layers. I don't think that I got sober and kind of peeled it back. And then I was like, oh, here I am. This is the real me. It's like I keep finding parts of myself and I find things that I do like and I find things that I don't like. And it's kind of like an evolving, ongoing thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's what's so cool about this, you know, space as well is that like we are able to slowly or rapidly uncover different areas of our lives. And I think there's like things that'll surprise us sometimes too of like, oh, I didn't realize that like, I really like this type of stuff or I didn't realize that these types of friendships like actually don't serve me. And it's like this beautiful, like, I don't know, this uncovering and this unmasking that is a, a gift if we are willing to show up and, you know, be vulnerable and be authentic. Yeah. And I think it's about being honest with ourselves too. So like, even when I got sober, I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of, I'm not 
shy, but I'm kind of an introvert and that I get energy from being by myself and I like to be alone. And for so many years, I tried, I fought against that so hard. And I was like, no, I need to be like social and be around people all the time. And I need to be gregarious and like all these different things. Because for some reason, there's like shame. Like I, I think we all have these things in our head of what we're supposed to be. And so that's just an example of like another thing that finally I was like, oh no, yeah, I love being social in like small doses <laughs> and, and at certain times. And I love seeing my friends and doing things, but I also, I love being alone. And like, that's something that I can embrace and not like be ashamed of myself for that. So yeah, it's like, it's like constantly uncovering. There's a saying, I think it's uncover, discover, and discard. Mm. So like you uncover something, you discover it, explore it. And then if you don't like it, you discard it. I love that. That's awesome. I've never heard that before. So what is... Because I feel like, at least for me, boundaries were something that I had to work on a lot, like boundaries with myself and then boundaries with other people. And having discovered that you know you are more introverted, um, but have had a past of putting on this facade of being really extroverted, how have you set healthy boundaries for yourself with your friendships and your relationships to really honor your innate quality of wanting a little bit more solitude and like thriving with a little bit more solitude? Mm -hmm. You know, I think I've kind of... I mean, I feel like a lot of my friends are kind of like that too. So I think I've gravitated to people like that. Also, you know, I just... I'm very particular about like my time alone and how and when I schedule things. And I don't feel bad about that. So like I see my friends during the day a lot on the weekends. Sometimes like we'll do a dinner or something. And I am just kind of like selfish with my time, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. What were the beginning tools then that you used as you were uncovering these different elements and like facets of yourself how did you how did you discover the parts of yourself that you wanted to discard and then the parts of yourself that you wanted to keep through that like discovery process mm-hmm. well i am in a program of recovery so um, I don't really talk about it like in depth but part of that process is to kind of go through your life and take inventory, right? And take an honest look at things and like be accountable for defects and for assets and really try to get rid of those defects. So that was like a huge part of my kind of foundation. Also therapy, like therapy, just talk therapy has been the most beneficial thing to me because just something about talking to somebody else and like, as soon as you hear it out loud, you know, it's just, it's so different from when it's actually in your head. Yeah. So those are huge. And then like journaling is huge for me. And it's kind of similar to therapy. It's like pen to paper. It just looks so different on paper than than it does in your head. Um, so that's something that I try to do just for a few minutes every morning, like kind of a brain dump. And meditation. Meditation is a huge, huge part of my life. I started doing it consistently a little over a year ago. And that has probably been the thing that's like really kind of brought me home to myself more than anything else. So I do twice a day for 20 minutes in silence. So 40 minutes total. And 
at this point, after having done it consecutively for whatever, 14, 15 months, I don't know how I ever lived without it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally feel you. I like can notice if I go without meditation for two days, I turn into a complete different person uh, yeah. and not really someone that I like very much. Yeah. I mean, there are so many benefits to it. So obviously it's like the physiological things and it helps with stress and it helps with reactivity and all of that. But just something about sitting in silence or whatever kind of meditation anybody wants to do, like totally non-judgmental, but this is just what worked for me. I'm able to like, it's, it's kind of hard to describe and like articulate it, but I'm just kind of able to see the truth in my thoughts, if that makes sense. Like we have so many thoughts bouncing around our heads 24 seven all day, every day. I mean, it's like nonstop, right? And it's, and they're so fast. And I had somebody on my podcast recently where we were talking about this and how we attach ourselves to thoughts when they're not necessarily truths. And with meditation, like being able to slow down and not try to like get rid of those because I think a lot of people have a misconception that meditation is about turning off your mind. Um, but just being able to like observe. So that's something that really helped me to kind of see who I really am. And so through that, and like I said, through journaling and talking to my therapist and these other things, it's kind of helped me to get to know myself. Do you think that that's how you've supported yourself? Like when the trauma does come up or when stress does come up is like these coping mechanisms that are more, I guess they're healthier than the initial coping mechanisms that kind of shut you off from actually experiencing and feeling the stress, the anxiety or the trauma when it came up. Yeah. So when I got sober, I had zero coping skills. <laughs> I mean, I was like I said, I'd been like numbing out and we have so many different ways now of coping that don't involve drugs and alcohol, right? And I think even statistically, like teenage alcohol use is down because we have phones. So we can numb out by looking at Instagram or by shopping online or like doing any number of things, really watching Netflix, you know, I'm currently watching Gossip Girl, like I'm on episode, like, I don't even know, 60 something. So there are a lot of different things that we can do. So when I got sober, those were the things that I'd been doing on top of drugs and alcohol. I just had no idea. And yeah, so I mean, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. But I, when I first got sober, I was in therapy. I remember I was going through a really hard breakup. It was the first breakup I'd ever gone through sober. So... When you first get sober, you probably know that like everything is magnified times a million. So your feelings are like stronger than you're used to feeling them. So add that into like then not having used any healthy coping mechanisms ever. It was really, I was like physically in pain. It was really hard. And I just, I think I was lucky because I had kind of driven my life into the ground. I was so desperate to get sober and stay sober. And I knew that if I were to drink or do drugs again, I would probably die because I almost did die. That I had like what people refer to as the gift of desperation. I was like 
anything is better than how I was living before. So even though I was going through this breakup and it was so hard and I was physically in pain and like just agitated feeling and like I didn't know what to do, I just kind of had faith that like I could get through it and that I I knew that drinking or or doing drugs would only make it worse. Mm. So, you know, I... Where do you think the faith came from? I kind of found a relationship with a higher power. And I know that sounds like woo-woo to some people, but that's really what has been the foundation of my sobriety. So, I mean, there have been a few components of it. There's been that and there's been the community aspect of it. But, you know, I'm not religious. I wasn't raised religious. So it was really hard for me initially to even wrap my head around that. But I think in order for me to get sober, I just had to like give it up to something else. And now when I look back over the last six years, I can see how whatever you want to call it, like I call it the universe a lot. Like the universe has aligned things in my life so perfectly, like better than I ever could have done. And it's just by like having this faith. So I think, you know, at that time I had. I had faith. I didn't know like really what I had faith in, but I just knew that like I didn't get sober to just, I just knew that there was something better for me on the other side. I remember thinking that like, if I can get through this, I can, I know that there's something better on the other side. And I relied on my community and my friends and my therapist again. And, you know, I'm married now, so it turned out better than I could imagine. You guys, I just went down the rabbit hole of Instagram augmented reality, trying to create the filters for Instagram stories. And it's funny because Ariel was actually the one that inspired me to go down this rabbit hole when I was over at her house recording for her podcast. She said she spent hours trying to create Instagram filters. And so I was like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. And after a couple hours of me learning about augmented reality through Instagram's app, I decided to go on Skillshare and see if they had any trainings or courses. And of course they did. You guys, Skillshare is my go-to for any support when it comes to learning new ways to create anything design-wise, technology, marketing. It's just incredible how many different resources they have, especially because it's the beginning of the year. It's really the time to jump into whatever creative project you have, launch your business, and really feel confident in doing so. And Skillshare has so many different trainings and courses. And an annual subscription is only $10 a month compared to the thousands of dollars you could spend on a web developer, a graphic designer, you name it. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of The Alchemized Life and they are incredible enough to be gifting all of you two free months of a premium membership when you go to skillshare.com forward slash alchemized. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free, including the one on how to create Instagram filters. I promise this is a rabbit hole you definitely want to jump down. So go to skillshare.com forward slash alchemize to take advantage of the offer. Again, it's two months of a premium membership when you go to skillshare.com forward slash alchemize today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think about it this way because when I was in like my darkest of times, I remember I would just like be in the shower, like on the ground 
in the bathtub crying, saying like, if there is a God or if there is like something higher out there, then why would this be happening to me? And I would just like cry over and over again, asking that, like, why is this happening to me? And now like looking in retrospect, I know why all of that happened to me because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have this story to share. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you had I had there not been some sort of divine intervention or divine plan. Um, so I totally understand what you mean. And I take great solace in thinking that I'm not the only one guiding this ship, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, for... 28 years, I was the center of my own universe. It was miserable. <laughs> I was totally relying on myself and I kept, you know, failing myself, it felt like. And to have faith, you know, in, in something. Um, and I like your point of like being kind of at this rock bottom and talking to something bigger than you because I wasn't religious. But when I was at rock bottom, I definitely was like, God, get me out of this, you know? So yeah. it's like, we we pray to something in our moments of desperation, even like agnostics, I'm sure, you know? And yeah. this isn't to like preach any kind of religion, but it's it's been such a massive relief to, to not have to like run the show, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Like, like... Like I still have to drive the car, I guess, but I don't have to run the show, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You've got Apple CarPlay in, you know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so obviously these like elements of your life and your journey are vulnerable. And I'm sure at certain points there was like fear that came up for you about sharing. I don't know if like you ever felt like a fear of judgment or what people would think, but like how do you decide what you do share versus what you keep to yourself? Well, I think to your point that you made earlier, like about had these things not happened, you wouldn't be here sharing, you know, having a story to share. And I felt like when I got sober, I had a responsibility to stay sober and help somebody else get sober. That's like first and foremost. And then to also help whoever needs help. Like there are so many different components to my story other than just sobriety. You know, I dealt with a lot of different things and eating disorder and anxiety and like we all have struggles, right? Then it kind of turned into like gut health and hormones and I just feel like like I have a responsibility and for whatever reason I have this platform, you know, and the response that I get like so many people are struggling. Yeah. So many people are struggling and so many people are looking for help or looking for answers or guidance. And I think at the end of the day on my platform, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll post about like new shoes I got or something or like whatever, like I had for dessert last night. But the thing that people connect to the most is like that vulnerability. And so I never really, I never really w was too nervous about sharing anything because I really felt like at my core that somebody needs to hear it and that somebody is going to benefit from it. And so far that's been my experience. That said, like I'm married to somebody who's super private. So there are certain things, certain parts of my life that I do keep more private. And so I'm kind of, I've kind of tried to like honor that and, re and respect that because he didn't sign up to have his life like all over the internet or his homes or anything like that. Um, but as far as my own story goes, you know, I, I think like 
I really think that um, even if just a few people can benefit from it, then it's worth sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that take on it because I mean, and I had a great conversation with another woman earlier. Um, you know, even if we come from a place of privilege, our story is still valid and you have no idea who is going to hear your story and resonate with it and potentially shift their entire life because of your story. And I think that a lot of us can sometimes get in this space of like, who am I to share and how like valid is my story if I wasn't like in this like really low, low or something like that. Um, but that doesn't take away from the story itself and the emotions that you felt and the lessons that you learned. And so I love that you are like an open book with um, your life and with your story because it is supporting so many people and helping so many people. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I meet people who have been sober for a long time or are just getting sober day in and day out. And some people really didn't have that bad of a bottom, you know, compared to mine. But the thing is, like, the feelings are the exact same. And yeah. I could meet somebody who has so much more than me. And I can meet somebody who has less than me. And, you know, it's like all walks of life, like, doesn't matter because it's the language of the heart and it's feelings and emotions. And that's the thing. And like the feelings and emotions are the same. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So being in relationship, I'm recently married. I would love to hear how you balance having this presence online with also respecting your relationship, respecting your partner, and also like being in the relationship and not always like being the businesswoman and being like the boss babe. Oh, well, <laughs> it's something I'm still working on. It's hard. It's, I mean, I'm sure you know, it's especially with like, well, with any kind of job, but I feel like, you know, with a job when it's social media and it's a lot like on your phone and you're kind of tethered to it, it can be really hard to turn it off because there are no hours. And unfortunately, I think a lot of other professions are like that. I mean, there are just no boundaries, right? So um, that said, it kind of helps that my husband is of a different generation and he doesn't have social media and he is not glued to his phone 24-7 because it makes me way more cognizant of how much time I'm actually... You know, if I'm on my phone, I'm probably working. Even if that's like responding to DMs or responding to comments or editing pictures or in my email or looking, you know. So when he's home, I'm usually not on my phone at all because I just feel like, well, he's not on it. I want to have this time with him. I want to be present. And so I've been able to kind of keep a pretty good boundary with it in that sense. He might say differently <laughs> because... He is still convinced that like I'm sitting on my phone every time we watch a movie or something, which I'm not, but <laughs> but that has definitely helped me to like maintain boundaries, but it's like a constant learning thing. But at the same time, like he also understands, you know, he is a hustler and he is very successful and so he I think he appreciates the drive and the ambition. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting because I'll be on my phone and I mostly work on my phone. Like I'll answer emails on my phone more than like answering emails on my laptop. And whether it's like when I'm with family or with my husband, sometimes I feel like 
they don't think that I'm actually working, that I'm just like messing around on my phone. But in reality, I am doing things like editing photos or like uh, responding to DMs or emailing. And it's like this weird... I don't know, like tug of war where I'm like, I feel guilty, but I also like need to get this done. And I'm not working on my laptop and that like, I feel like sometimes people think it's more official when you're working on your laptop, you know? Um, so <laughs> it totally is, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, this is a little, it's a mini laptop, you guys. Um, but I, I, for me, what has been like the biggest struggle is like allowing myself to like disconnect fully and be present and also like take off the like business hat and just like be wife. So having established those boundaries um, with yourself in your own relationship, are there things that you've done in your relationship to help support that like shifting into the feminine and like being a wife versus just like being the entrepreneur? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it's been like, I feel like I'm just kind of starting to get it in the last year or so, or not even full year. So it's been definitely a journey <laughs> from when I started this four years ago. And it's hard because there's this constant pull. Like we feel like we need to be doing it 24-7 and there's always someone to respond to and there's always something to do. But um, so I think part of it was just kind of like... I'm the kind of person who has to get really uncomfortable before I am willing to make a change. So I just had to get to a point where I was so uncomfortable with like how much time I was spending on my phone working and and the hours and like doing it at 11 o'clock at night and doing it six o'clock in the morning um, before I was like, okay, well, this is not healthy and it's not healthy for my relationship. And, um, you know, there were definitely times in the last couple of years when I wasn't present with my husband and he would bring it to my attention and be like, you know, we don't see each other during the week. Like, can we spend time together at dinner and like not have you? So he brought it to my attention. So now what I try to do in my relationship is like in the morning when I'm doing my meditation and my journaling and everything, it asks, I do a five minute journal too. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I love the five minute journal. I do too. So when it asks like, um, what are three things that I want to do today? I always put like, I want to have a nice night with my husband or like, I want to have a nice... So I kind of set that intention. Something about writing it down like makes it more real. And then when I do like my prayer, whatever to the universe, I always I always ask how I can put him first mm-hmm. and like to help me. Yeah. And, to, and like to help me put him first. And then I just kind of like think to myself at some point during the day, like what can I do for him when he gets home or what? So I try to like, keep him first and have that perspective. And then, you know, I don't always do it perfectly, but that kind of helps me. Yeah. I love that. I think that it's like a growing challenge that a lot of us are facing, especially as like female entrepreneurs, which I know a ton of listeners are, is the like prioritization of the relationship and the business. Like your business is your baby, but also your relationship is really, really important, if not more important than the business itself, Um, you know, to have that best friend, that partner, that lover is superior. And yeah. um, I'm 
interested to see how like integrating that intention into my own life is going to shift our relationship and our dynamic. Cause I really like that. Just like setting the intention at the beginning of the day and just asking how you can be of support for your partner. I think it's really, really powerful and it just gets the awareness going, you know, that's like the beauty of mindfulness and meditation is that once you pose the question, then your mind searches for the answer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I don't think of it during the, like in the morning when I wake up and when I'm doing all that, I'm for sure not going to think of it throughout the day. Like, yeah. That's it. Because once my mind starts going, like I'm off to the races. So oh, yeah. <laughs> setting that intention, writing it down, whatever it is, like it just kind of solidifies it and then it, it makes it real. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you have to kind of get uncomfortable and hit that point until you start to make shifts. And I know that over this past year, you made the intention to live without fear. So what has that looked like? Like what lessons have you learned? How have you like been uncomfortable, but like expanded and stepped into it? And like, how do you see that evolving into this next year? Well, so a lot of it, yeah, I I realized kind of reflecting on... 2018, you know, I've made so much progress every year and I try to acknowledge that. And in 2018, I left my job working in substance abuse and started doing this full time. And so that was huge. Um, But I just kind of felt like fear was holding me back. And so some ways that I got over that, starting a podcast was a huge one. That was something that like, I don't know... A year ago, when people asked me to be a guest on a podcast, I would be like panicked because I just was so afraid. I don't know why. Now it's funny. I can't even like really relate to that. So starting the podcast and just saying yes to things, like I just kind of decided that whatever my knee-jerk reaction was, I was going to do the opposite. So like lots of contrary action. So when people... Maybe people that I don't know well, like ask me to get together instead of making up an excuse, I would say yes. So that was like something with pushing myself in terms of, you know, my sociability. And from that, I've developed some like really, really amazing relationships that I wouldn't have. And like I said, like work things and just contrary action. Like, I mean, there's probably so many examples that I can't think of, but just a lot of things yeah to do with work so professionally and personally and then like another one was going back to school so when i was drinking and using and doing all that i got into a good college i went for a semester and then i dropped out and throughout my 20s you know i would start school and then i would drop out again and when i got sober i did a separate program at UCLA but i never got my bachelor's and it's something that's like really bothered me and there's so many graduate programs that I'm interested in, but I'm like, well, I have to finish my bachelor's first. And that was something that I was so... Even talking about it now, like I still have so much shame about it. And I decided to go back next year. So that was like a huge one, getting over that fear. And so that's like... I feel like that's opening a big door for me too. And yeah, so those are the main ones. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's awesome. Good for you. Um, I love that you say contrary action. Um, One, I've never heard that term before, but I also like resonate with it so deeply because we can get so like locked into our habitual patterns and our behaviors and not actually like recognize how they are guiding our life. And 
we can often make the same decisions and choices and sometimes mistakes or missteps over and over and over again. But looking at like how you can take a contrary action can like send you on a completely different trajectory. So you saying yes to something that you would have necessarily or mostly said no to could have set you on this like completely different trajectory. And I'm sure it has set you on this different trajectory that you never would have had access to, or it would have been delayed a lot longer um, had you continued with that same habitual pattern of saying no. Yeah, totally. And I think we probably even have like neuronal pathways that like form our responses to things. Like our initial response to something is the same, especially something that we have fear or we're anxious about, you know, something that like triggers that feeling of like, no, you know, I'm not going to do that or I'm going to put it off from whatever it is, or I'm ashamed or anything. So really tapping into that contrary action is like, the key for me to um, just kind of like changing the direction of <laughs> of the ship, I guess. Yeah, I love that so much. So besides going back to school, what else are you excited for as the new year comes? That's like my big one that I'm most excited about. I'm excited to keep going with the podcast. It's become kind of my like baby as I'm sure yours is with you. Oh, it's just <laughs> such an amazing... like. God, I mean, that one has for sure changed the trajectory and just like enriched my life in so many ways because I've met so many amazing people. And, you know, with social media and like being a whatever you want to call it, personality influencer, whatever it is, it's so easy to kind of like get caught in living this life on your phone and like being behind a screen and not meeting people face to face. And there are events and that kind of stuff, obviously, but like, connecting with people in real life or like this and having like deep, real conversations. Like I've just met so many people that have really like had an impact on my life. And I just think it's, it's just such a great platform. So I'm excited to continue that. Um, I have another ebook coming out this December. I don't know when this is going to air, but I don't know the date that it's coming out, but definitely before Christmas. So kind of like an updated bigger, better version of my ebook that I came out with last year. And I don't know what else. I feel like it's going to be a big year. I just have no clue what it's going to look like. I love that. No, it's great because it's like, I'm open to it. I'm expecting it. And whatever form that takes, I'm excited for it. Yeah, totally. So where can we find you? How can we get your ebook? And how can people stay up to date with everything that you have going on? So the main place that you can find me is on Instagram. It's at Ariel Laurie. And from there, you can find my podcast, um, which is The Blonde Files Podcast. And you can go to theblondefiles.com. And everything is all in there. And the ebook will be on the website. Amazing. And we'll link all of it in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful for your time and have absolutely loved every second of this conversation. Thank you for having me. 